time to show the world that top is what I strive for. Greatness is a journey I'm willing to strive for. Consistency is key and I don't take no time off. Against the odds, I put it all on the line for. A lesson learned for every flaw I'm gonna make. Consequence I undertake. Putting all my trust and faith. Failure won't become my fate. Ten toes down, I never fall. Give it all to reach my goal. That's my name is Stone. When my story's told, say I did it for the... Okay, we are live. Which the reason why I reached out to you is, of course, that we interacted on Twitter a lot, but also that you're doing something very interesting because you decided to focus on GPT-3, the OpenAI product, and explore this space. And you're writing a book on it, you're working on a course, you're interviewing people in the space. And this is why I wanted to talk to you because... While I have some basic knowledge and experimented myself, I'm definitely not an expert and I would love to hear from you how you're seeing the space, what opportunities you see. So maybe we can start a bit with your background because um, sure, sure. you're definitely a bit older than most people in, in, the, in, the, in our circle, right? They always get the impression that indie hackers are like 20 years old, 24. So... So I am 44 years old and I have, I have been working in uh, software industry in one form or another for the last uh, around 20 years. I started, I, I believe in year 2000. And so in my whole career in, in the corporate life, I worked for only two companies. And the second company I worked for 11 plus years, which was a, a security software company called McAfee. Not all, all this time period was, especially in the corporate life, not all this was spent in developing software. A lot of it was software quality. Some part of it was project management and uh, people management. So I would say like... I really got into, I mean, the hardcore coding. I was doing a little bit coding at my work earlier, but I really got into hardcore coding when I left my job in around uh, year 2014, 14 mid. So, so I, since then, I mean, from the moment I went kind of on my own, I've tried my hand at various things. Uh, so for example, I, I created some Android apps starting in 2014 and 15. And uh, then I've been doing a bit of consulting on the side since then. And as far as the, the indie hacking part is concerned, only kind of got into this indie hacking thing only from last six months, like somewhere around uh, last September or something, right? So, and uh, so in terms of like, okay, in terms of what interests me, my, my kind of background has always been into data analysis and a little bit of machine learning. So I, I did some projects for, uh, in, in that area, both like the kind of the backend implementations at, at the client side, as well as some training courses with a company called the Pact Publishing from UK in, in data analysis, data science, machine learning areas. So when I kind of, when the GPT-3 came, it came, I think around, they opened it around June or July, opened it, I mean, limited beta. I applied it right away. I, I did not get my access. So then I kind of let it go. I was, okay, I'm not going to get the access. Fine. I mean, maybe what I presented my case, it wasn't good enough for them to give me access. But I... Around November or December, I started seeing a lot of interest in GPT-3 again. So I applied again 
in January and surprisingly I got my access the very next day and so and that was like okay I mean um, I tried uh, started using it I started using it in in their own the playground and uh, which is a online tool which they have given like it's like a no code tool and so I found it extremely interesting and I, I saw like okay in this space there is a lack of information I mean, okay th- their d- documentation is there which is also not very exhaustive and uh, there are a lot of things which are uh, people are doing trial and error for example so i saw that okay there is a need for like like a how to guide and courses and stuff in this space because there are a lot of people i saw a lot of interest in this lots of people who wants access and who are like okay i'll do anything to get access I and mean, there are there is a gpt3 subreddit on reddit where people are saying that okay i'm ready to pay i mean if you share your api key i mean right i mean which is obviously against the toc of uh, open ai you can't do that right so right. yeah but it it's extremely interesting area and but it's not like what i have seen is right i mean it's it's not purely a programmatical thing i mean if you if you approach it from a uh, developer's point of view you're not going to get very far I mean, you you have to approach because, like for example, it's not like any other API. Let's say I mean, if you if you call any other APIs, let's say I mean, for example, you you you're calling an API which will which will give you some data, right? I mean, it will give you either either give you that data or it will raise an error for you. Not in this case. I mean, you it is when you when you prompt it when you prompt that you might get garbage. You might get something really cold, right? and it may not repeat the the same thing the next time also it's like so you have to kind of like treat this ai more as like a like a child right like a middle schooler and and or maybe a bunch of middle schooler and each time one student is or the child is answering that question for you and you and your question or your prompt has to be really well worded so that it understands that it, it has to do some pattern matching on that and then it gives you and then the next time you ask it's not the same thing which is answering your question it is something else so i find that extremely interesting it's not your typical machine learning also and so it's i mean that is one of the most kind of creative part and one of the most difficult part which is going to be there for people especially developers who wants to create apps using gpt yeah so i i definitely can confirm it because i've worked with many APIs and GPT-3 is very different and you really need a different way to think about it. And at the same time, the opportunities are huge, right? There are big, big winners already in the space. Several companies have been built on top of GPT-3 and doing super well. But before we dive into these opportunities, I would love to take a step back and come back to your background. And you mentioned that you created a few apps, Android apps, and I'm curious what kind of apps that were Okay, so my apps were basically in the education space for, especially for the India market, and in in there, I mean, there is a huge kind of like demand for learning English in in the Indian market right? because that is kind of a people's access to good career or good admission to good colleges and stuff like that. So around 2000, that time the Android was really kind of picking up. and there is a lot more people who own an android phone rather than like like a iphone or even a computer right 
so i mean i said that was true especially during that time so i kind of like decided that okay i'm gonna gonna jump into and that was my first project basically so i thought okay i mean i saw a demand right that okay and there is a there's a market over there and the one thing which i kind of did not look into or did not realize was and that okay market is there but i mean how are you going to monetize that because a typical indian user is does not pay for apps or does not pay for any subscription services or or a one time right i mean because there is always a free alternative right whether it's a average quality right? as long as it it works little bit works right people are going to go for that so that was one of the biggest problem i thought okay maybe i will rely on advertisement revenue but by implementing google admob and such that does not take you very far because in order to kind of have a kind of a decent revenue from from like monetizing ads you need to have really high number of impressions which my apps now you know so and then i i made few apps for my clients as a so then i kind of left the whole android data science and data analysis yeah that's 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 really cool so coming coming back to gpt3 i think it would help a bit to talk about what it really is and how it works because uh, if you're just using it, it it seems like magic right but it's actually not that difficult to understand how it works and there have been many similar algorithms in the past and it's basically just you can probably explain better than i can but the whole idea is that based on a huge data set they collected on the internet they scraped the, scraped the internet content from the internet maybe even books and then the algorithm tries to predict the next word given some initial words right this is what's what's going on so like uh, machine learning is most famous for image recognition i think where you can feed in images and it will tell you is it a hot dog or not and in this case here it's assigning probabilities to different words and not to different labels for images but of course the underlying tech is not revolutionary new i think of course there's there's nuances and there are many important details but it's not a completely new category right it's it's just something that has existed for quite some while done at a bigger scale with some improvements and now it's working very very well and yeah is that a fair summary it is it is i mean yeah it is it is a fair summary and there is there is a little bit too much hype around this and even then it deserves and for various reasons i mean because elon musk got involved in the beginning i don't think he's very much involved right now so and then even for example the the president of president and founder of openai sam he also mentioned that in one of his talks and stuff that okay i mean there is there is too much hype than it deserves it's not kind of that generic or it's not a agi or anything it's it's i mean you you are right i mean this is not something which is completely new and uh, there are a lot of it's ultimately it's nlp it's natural language processing and i mean google has little bit of that i mean they expose some very specific apis also from their google cloud and there are some a lot of other open source uh, alternative also which are available for example so 
I think one thing which is a little bit interesting about this one is right. I mean, the way they have packaged it, right? The way they have kind of enabled the API. I see that it's that I see that as a product, and I see that as more innovative than the actual kind of the deep learning models or the actual AI models which are underlying those things, right? So, which is not kind of which other companies kind of fail to do that, right? So, and that kind of gives it like an aura of okay, there are more capabilities to than it actually is, right? So, I mean, ultimately, it's it's a it's a text in text out model, right? And so they they are calling it a one shot model, right? So, I mean, if for example, I mean, you are mentioning machine learning and then image classification, right? So, the more data you train with, the the better it's gonna keep going, right? I mean, the more kind of the training data you give it to, and then right. So, in this case, I mean, so they have done lot of that training like on the model on their own. right and then they ultimately kind of letting you or a, or a, or the api user right i mean letting it like supply very limited examples and let the kind of the api kind of throw out the whatever like whether it's a text generation classification or summarization right based on that it's letting you kind of produce some output from that and it, and that's also kind of not always i mean something which you really want it's not perfect right i mean there is a lot of fine tuning which is needed if you for example you use like i have used copy.ai right and i have used that headline.com also right and lot of the times i mean like you you can see that okay i mean there is there is something lacking i mean there is this this could be so yeah. one of the one of the like applications i was really impressed i haven't used it so far but kind of i saw superhumans the email client ceo tweeting about it this company recently launched they called via viable.com so what they do is they integrate with these various uh, your customer interaction tools right whether it's so slack your crm right and then uh, your survey software and then when all that data it it kind of sucks that in right and they are running that through the whole corpus through gpt3 and then like they are enabling their customers to ask questions that okay what was the biggest pain point right so uh, that seemed from the demo and all that and and the usage of this one customer so that seemed pretty impressive that it was able to kind of uh, find those uh, connections in there right so so what is going to happen is right i mean not all the magic is going to happen in the gpt3 if you if if it, for example if a developer or anybody who's using it and it thinks that okay i'm going to throw some stuff at gpt3 and then i'm going to get the like the end product which i can present to my end user right i mean ready to be used that's not going to happen you have to do something with it you have to massage it you have to combine it with other apis for example right you have to kind of have your own secret sauce only then i mean it's going to kind of make sense to your user yeah that's that's definitely true and i didn't um hear the Uh, domain properly so what was the domain of the crm ai tool you just uh, mentioned uh, it's a viable a b l e let me check also yeah Not just try to find it the... ah it's askviable.com i think no it's something different oh do, oh it's askviable.com ask... yeah it's askviable.com i think yeah, yeah. yeah. that that makes makes sense so and coming coming back to to the presentation of a gpt3 i think this is really 
yeah, their their biggest strength this hyping up. And you saw all these videos on Twitter, what GPT three is able to do, and people really, and including me, really got the impression, whoa, this is huge. This is this the thing is intelligent. It's smart. It 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 it's able to do things that normally only humans can do. But if you actually if you're actually using GPT three, you're noticing very quickly that it's faking intelligence. This is what GPT-3 is really good at. It's able to convince you in a very smart way that it's, that it's intelligent, that it understands what, you're try, that you, what you wanted to achieve. But so the example from my own experience is that we are doing this trends analysis, keywords, whatever for opportunities. And you can then try to come up with descriptions for certain keywords using GPT-3. And GPT-3 is always able to provide a description, right? It, it's never telling you, I don't know. It, it always has like a perfect description for a trend, for a keyword. But oftentimes this, this description, this answer it provides is completely false. It sounds plausible, but it, if you dig a bit dig in, it makes zero sense, right? It, it's not really able to understand the keywords or the trends or what's going on. But if you ask, yeah, you can, you can, this is really the magic they were able to achieve that through the interface, you get the impression that you're able to talk to the AI, right? You're giving this prompt and GPT-3 gives you answers or completes your, your, um, what you're putting in. And it's, it's a really cool way to interact with an API compare, compared to what's, what you usually do. But yeah, having worked with it myself, I was a bit like disillusioned, right? If you saw these impressive demos everywhere and then you're able to really look under the hood because what people of course did for these impressive demos is they created 10 times an output and then just pick the best one, right? And yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it does need a bit of fine tuning, right? I mean, so like on, for example, in the playground, so on, on the right hand side, so they have those, the temperature and, and the P value. And so, and you also, for example, like, okay, uh, you can choose, okay, pick, pick the best one or show me the different probabilities and stuff like that. So ultimately, I mean, so the, even in their documentation also, if you kind of dig into there, they say that, okay, I mean, you have to keep, keep experimenting. And then when you kind of start getting us like the kind of the output you want, maybe use those as examples next time to the prompt. And uh, so that's how, I mean, you have to fine tune it. So if, I mean, if like, so that's what I mean, it's not like the way it is hyped that, okay, it is like, it's a one shot thing. It's you, you ask something and what you get is you can really use it. That's not always going to be the case. I mean, you have to keep continue fine tuning it and only then kind of you will get to a kind of output which you can really use. So yeah. for example, even in, I mean, even the, for example, the coffee.ai, right? So, so they, these guys, right? I mean, when you, when you, when a certain output comes, right? So, so they will ask you that, okay, which one do you like, right? I mean, if, when you really say, okay, this one I like and turn it more like that, they are basically, this is what my kind of understanding is based on using the API. So taking that, appending that to the prompt as an another example, right? And then right. kind of giving you something more. So, so it's going to be kind of fine-tuned for each customer of your product, which which is using GPT. Yeah, it makes, makes perfect sense, I think. And it's, it's so, really... So for example... Uh, okay. 
few days back i i i was i kind of like tweeted about that the brands thing right so for example i saw that tweet about a study uh, which is like okay i mean the luxury brands generally right i mean versace and other stuff and uh, and non luxury brands and there is a pattern in the in, in the names right so and so i just kind of i took that right and in in couple of tries i was able to actually get quite a bit of good output from there but but if you see i mean that's pretty kind of the basic use case of of this gpt3 right rather than a, it's not that complex and it it was okay i mean it wasn't that bad in terms of like okay getting that output from it so it all depends on the use case yeah yeah it's it's so what is without question that it's a super useful tool right but it's not as you said it's not general intelligence or intelligence at all it's just no. and yeah it just is assigning probabilities to different words and appends them to your prompt this is how it works yeah so the, another the, the another reason it's it's so hyped is that i mean the restrictive nature of the access right so i mean you are so it's been getting they have been more open to giving access to more people recently right i think they have given access to close to kind of more than 30000 people right so i mean that's that's the that's the number there in the slack so i'm just predicting from there and the people are still complaining uh, like in all these various forums whether it's twitter reddit and all those places that oh, i applied one month back i applied two months back i'm not getting access so that that creates this homo effect that okay i'm missing something out right yeah and like that, us. another thing is yeah so it's another thing is that they have been very restrictive in like approving the generic like apps which can be used by public right so for example today their twitter handle they they published a article they tweeted out a article in which they published some numbers so they basically said that okay 300 applications right so compared to like how many people are there in their slack group right and everybody who's there in slack group has an api right so and the last time i checked it was 30k plus right so that's like less than 1% so it might be that okay there are a lot of people who are just kind of playing around with it they have no intention of creating an app right or right i mean some people are just doing it to create like for example to create fiction or create poetry they they are never going to create app or anything like that right but 300 is still very less and that is because the approval requires lots of things which a developer has to do right or a company has to do is developing something using gpt3 right i mean there's the restriction on the number of like okay the, the length of the prompt or the length of the output you're going to get what kind of topics you're going to like let the user use it for right for example no religion no politics legal is mostly frowned upon you can't have uh, can't have built a app writing tweets or social media posts things like that you have it has to be a very nice topic right so and uh, then like you have to implement some kind of content filtering you have to implement uh, you have to restrict it in terms of like you have to limit the okay what when uh, typical user logs in and use okay how much they can use right so it's a huge length of like uh, guidelines and uh, use requirements which you have as a app developer or as a company developing an app to kind of meet those and that's not easy so it's like a i mean uh, that's makes it really restrictive so there is there is first block 
throttle at, at the API access, and then there is the another throttle at the the way they approve the app access or whatever that is, right? So, I mean, I think the amount of interest from the developer community, uh, whether it's India King or established companies, is huge. And uh, I think um, this is just throttling uh, that. Yeah, there there are these huge bottlenecks. But regarding the application uh, process, I actually applied like you immediately after the first announcement and never got a reply. But then I saw you mentioned on Twitter that you simply um, applied a second time and this is what worked. So I did the same thing and same story got immediately access afterward after the second. So they probably just deleted uh, the first batch of applications, I think. But if you apply right now, you will relatively quickly get access, I think. And a second important factor, I think, is that it's quite expensive. GPT-3 is not cheap. It's quite pricey. The plans start at 100 bucks, I think. And they've changed that. They've changed that now. So it's, it's, it's purely on a usage basis now. So, I mean, it, that was there, right? That, okay, that was a monthly plan or something. It's, you will only be charged for whatever your app or you directly are using. It. So that's no longer there. That's not a, the minimum thing is not, no longer there. And do you know what the pricing is per um, credit, what so, they call it? Yeah. So, so they call it token. And token, right. one token is basically four characters, right? And including spaces. So, and, and they count both the input and the output in that, right? So for example, let's say you are, you are giving an input of, uh, let's say hundred characters, right? And uh, then you are getting an, a single output, which is 200 characters, but you are also asking for it to give you like, I mean, the probabilities are like, not just the best, but you are asking it to get, to give you all all the other like second choice, third choice, fourth choice, fifth choice. So it's going to count all those characters in there, right? So one token, four characters, right? So, or let's say three fourths of a word. I mean, this is all they are kind of counting it or making a kind of a guess estimate on that. And I think it's, uh, the charges are different for different engines. So they have basically various engines defined in there, right? So Da Vinci, Fury, Ada. So more powerful to more, to the fastest, right? So, and they are built for different use cases, right? So, and their charges are also different. So, for example, I think the most expensive is DaVinci, yeah. which must be like 100 or 1000 times, you know, like expensive than the cheapest one, which is Ada. So, I think for DaVinci, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's around 0 0.08 cents per 1000 tokens or something like that, right? So, once you when you sign up, you get these three hundred thousand tokens for the first three months as a like uh, as a grant basically, and which amounts to around eighteen dollars. So, but when you are ready to submit an app which uses the GPT three API, you have to upgrade to a paid plan, right? And you have to kind of so from then on it will be based on the usage of how much. Usage. But it is expensive, as you said, and you yeah. have to rate limit it. You have to be careful about like what kind of like usage you are you are going to give it to your users, and if you are building a SaaS or something like that, right? So and yeah, it is it is one of the costs, and it's gonna be one of the major costs. I mean, as compared to uh, your other like hosting apps, like for example, if you host your AWS charging, 
Yeah. And like 300,000 tokens that you get in the beginning for free sounds like a lot. But a lot of people, me included, have noticed very quickly that you can burn through it in a single afternoon. So it's, it's, actu <laughs> it's actually not that big of an amount because, as you it's said, not. yeah, especially I wasn't aware, for example, that the prompt also goes in there, right? It also, you're also charged depending on the length of your um, prompt, as you said. So you always have to think, do I want to get better results? And better results you get with a longer prompt, but a longer prompt costs a lot more, right? So it's a real yeah. tension. And yeah, I also, um, you mentioned these different engines they have, and I played around with a few of them. And DaVinci is like the Ferrari. It's, it's, this is what people usually mean when they talk about GPT-3. It's, it's, it's really cool. Mm -hmm. And uh, the cheapest one, Ada, is yeah, <laughs> not that great, but very fast. But one <laughs> thing I want to say on the topic yeah. is that GPT-2 is actually free, right? It's, it's open source. You can get it easily from Hugging Face, for example, and host it yourself or just download it, run it locally. And at least in my opinion, GPT-2 is not worse than Ada, in my, in my, in my humble opinion. So <laughs> this is one, one thing. I haven't tried uh, GPT-2, uh, right? I mean, or any of the kind of uh, services which are kind of providing, kind of exposing the attacker. So yeah, I mean, it is it is possible. And uh, it, it is quite possible that for a lot of the use cases, that might be enough. I mean, you don't have to, uh, for example, always use the, the Ferrari, right? I mean, sometimes, right? So for example, I was trying to figure out that, okay, all these viable guys, I mean, how they are doing it, which engine they are doing, using it. And so, so my, based on my kind of playing around with so far, most probably they are using the query engine, right? And because the query engine is really, as per the OpenAI examples and documentation, that's really good at kind of giving answers based, just based on the text which you provide to it, right? And, and this is what these viable guys are doing, right? And so, so you don't always have to use DaVinci, right? I mean, you have to kind of play around with it and... Uh, it's not just okay. Call the API and be uh, be done with it. I mean, it's it, it's it, it needs a little bit of kind of like working with that, right? And and I mean, I don't know whether you have checked the viable pricing. I mean, so their pricing is like I, I love their pricing. I mean, as a as a SaaS founder, I I would love to kind of put in that kind of pricing. So for a for a single piece of data, I mean they kind of ingest, which is like a let's say a, a two-liner survey line or a one pair of uh, survey question from a customer. Uh, they are charging nine cents, or yeah, nine cents. They're charging nine cents, and uh, so I mean, let's say if you get so this is on top of your uh, monthly um, kind of subscription, which is I, I believe thirty dollars. So. And so I did some uh, kind of analysis on like, okay, uh, these superhuman guys. So they, uh, the tweet mentioned that, okay, they kind of fed uh, 60,000 pieces of user input, user survey input from our various CM, CRMs and all those, right? So that translates to $6,000 just for the data ingestion that is on top of the monthly subscription. So I think, I mean, for app developers, right? I mean, if you if you can build solutions like this, right? I mean, uh, look at I mean, now. Of course, I mean, with Copy.ai, there are other things coming to uh, 
like uh, picture that okay they are really kind of doing this build in public and all those things they're really good at marketing so if you can build stuff like this and i think there is some great opportunities for people to kind of uh, generate some revenue for their apps for their companies because especially while the hype yeah and as you said copy ai is very public about their revenue The founder seems to be posting about some new revenue record every other day. But what I really would love to hear at some point is their costs. How much are they paying to GPT-3? Because as far as I know, there are no usage limits, right? And given that GPT-3 is so pricey, I'm very curious how it, how it uh, pans out for them. What, what, what profit are they actually generating, given also that When they started, they gave, a, gave, gave lots of lifetime free accounts for free and whatever. And it, what's very smart from, from a marketing perspective, of course, but yeah, given that GPT-3 is so pricey, I would be very curious, curious to see their, their GPT-3 bill. <laughs> yeah. But another thing would be like, okay, like on average, you have to see like on average, but a typical use, right? So... For example, I mean, I'm one of those lifetime users I got. I mean, I, so when Paul, she tweeted about, okay, giving out some lifetime accounts and DM me. So I DM. So I have one of the like accounts. So I rarely use it. I mean, I, I used it for a few days to try out in the, in the first few days. And I'm wondering, like, how many users are there who just kind of, like, And both paid and non-paid. I mean, they just kind of sign up, okay, start the subscription or get a kind of a free lifetime access and, and never use it or use it very rarely, right? And uh, so it might be that, okay, some of the heavy users, which will be a small percentage, might be subsidizing kind of, or, or sorry, the, the low users might be subsidizing, uh, the paid user might be subsidizing the very few, like very heavy users. So, I mean, that whole kind of, as, as the numbers grow, you can always have heavy users and low users, right? So that might kind of, but yeah, I mean, they, they're not sharing those numbers. And I would love to see kind of those kind of numbers made public, whether it's from copy.ai or whether it's from one of the other kind of providers, right? I mean, there are a bunch of other yeah. people also who are doing it. So, for example, I, I actually am liking more like very specific solutions which are being built rather than like generic like copy.ai. So, for example, I'm, an, I'm, I'm really, really liking this viable thing. And then there's another founder from UK I interviewed for my book. His name is Oras. He has written, he has made an app which does one thing, which is it generates job descriptions. And so it's a very specific thing. And, and the, that is where like the GPT-3 can really give some good output. And he's getting some good traction on that, right? So, so he's there. And then I believe, I guess, you know, this person, Magic Sales Bot, Ryan, he created a Magic Sales Bot. It's a cold sales email generator. That's yeah. also a very specific uh, use case. I don't know how much he's doing. I mean, what he's doing in terms of revenue and all those things that I don't know. But these specific, Nike-specific, uh, topic-specific apps, I think they, they're going to do much better than, than the whole generic stuff. Yeah, because simply because they're able to optimize, right? Really for the use case. And yeah. it's not, not this general kind of thing. And yeah, the last, the last I heard from Ryan, Ryan Doyle is his name. 
is that it's that is doing quite well. So he had a nice start. And the other project you mentioned, it's just job description.ai, right? The perfect, the perfect domain for for the project. And this is also, of course, very smart, a very smart use case. So given all these projects, I'm curious what kind of opportunities you're seeing, because I know that in your in your book you have a chapter called Steal These Ideas, also potential use cases. And one thing you mentioned is this luxury brand name generator. And this is, of course, something you build just for fun. And you probably won't be able to make money just with that because it's just a cute little tool and no one's going to pay for it. At least that's my uh, <laughs> impression. However, if you think a bit out of the kind of things people pay for. Well, so one idea, as you told me about it, is do you know Brand Bucket? It's a service. They are basically selling domains, but they're doing it in a very smart way because they're not just selling a domain, but also the story around it. So they have these cute names and then they also have a description that describes, okay, what could you do with this domain and also include a logo. And so yeah, the perceived value is of course much higher compared to like the regular domain marketplaces where you just get a huge list of all these domains and they have only like high premium brand names you can use for branding purposes. And so I was thinking if this is one potential use case for your luxury brand name generator, if you can just use GPT-3 to come up with a cool, cool list of brand names and then just secure the domains and try to resolve them as Brand Bucket is doing because they are doing insanely well. They are making hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's it's crazy. It's such a successful business. And just just one idea I had yeah. as you as you told me about it. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's like the the value of uh, this particular idea. I mean, it, it definitely kind of goes really kind of probably hundredfold up if you combine it with the like other stuff, right? Like 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 the the brand like the company which you mentioned they are doing it, right? So get the get the get the GPT-3 to generate these uh, names, right? And you don't even have to expose that part to the to the to the end user, right? I mean, you can just fill up the database, right? And you, it, it, that can just run in the background and then add services on top of it, either kind of register those in bulk or maybe provide like auto-generate logos, auto-generate kind of copy, auto-generate other like, for example, media, right? I mean, the banners and other stuff, right? And then give, give that as a package. I mean, that's like the, that will be the major value addition uh, on top of that. So in terms of like use cases and uh, what you can do with it, I mean, it's it's a language model, right? I mean, so anything anything text related, I think, I mean, uh, you can find a use case to integrate this with, right? So whether it's whether it's enterprise or consumer, right? So for example, I've worked a lot lot of my life in enterprise, so I can see this useful, right? So for example. Apart from this job description AI, the ORS, the, the ORAS, I mean, the application, right? I mean, I, I see that, okay, that's ha having a pretty good use both for hiring managers as well as for recruiters and companies, right? And then you can build stuff which is kind of like, so it, so whatever is going to be built, it has to be human, uh, which enhances like the human in loop, right? Like the, whatever the job, whatever the task they are doing, 
right? It, it helps them rather than like the AI won't be able to take over. So for example, so these big companies, they have these performance evaluations um, every quarterly annual, right? And I have been on both sides of that table, right? I've been, I mean, and you have to be, right? I mean, because even if you're a manager, you're also an employee, you, you report to somebody. So you have to kind of, and it, that involves a lot of text on input, both from the, the manager side, from the, from the reporty side, from, from the HR side. So, so what we used to have was, we used to have these templates, right? I mean, so those templates are like same for everybody. So yeah. you could, you could build, there is integration opportunities, right? So for example, this, there's a company called success factors. It was acquired by SAP. And uh, so that is one of the major tools which gets used by all these Fortune 500 companies and others to uh, do performance evaluation for uh, their employees, right? I mean, to set up quarterly goals and then to evaluate it, same for annual stuff, right? And their whole bonuses and their whole races and everything and promotions kind of, that's, that's where it comes from. So, and it's all text input, right? And something a plugin which kind of integrates in there and say okay generate me like a performance evaluation for the for the engineer right so things like that right and then i mean if for example if gpt if if openai guys allows it right i mean as far as their guidelines and their approval like stuff whatever you have to do these kind of cases won't go through but if they allow it i mean to generate legal contracts for example right and whether it's right from the offers to vendors and all those things, right? And then this whole email generation, right? I mean, uh, so for example, the magic sales for that is for cold email generation, but that's not the only kind of email people write, right? There is the companies, there is lots of different emails gets written, emails to vendors gets written, right? And uh, emails to suppliers get written, vendors write to the, the, the companies which they are supplying to. So, and then, so enterprise, so every, it can touch every enterprise department. And I see the more opportunity, not in building standalone applications using this, I see more opportunity in building either these into your existing applications or building plugins for like some other platforms, right? So for example, Grammarly. Right. I mean, they, they do this, they have these amazing grammar check plugins, right? I mean, so you can install a plugin or an extension for Chrome and then it'll check for you everywhere. It doesn't matter wherever you are writing, right? So you don't have to open a separate, I mean, if you want to, you can, but you don't have to, it'll just, if you're writing a tweet, it'll check it. If you're writing an email, whatever is open in the browser, it'll, it'll check it for you. Right. So things like that. And then existing applications, for example, there's this company The I interviewed the founder and they, I'll kind of publish the interview in a few days. It's called block survey. And so they, what basically they do is they're privacy focused survey maker, right? And so they, so they kind of like, okay, they have these templates, right? For various uses, use cases, whether it's for like, let's say medical survey kind of a thing or company survey kind of a thing, right? So, so they provide a lot of these templates, which pre-built templates, which the customers can use, right? Now there is a limit how much templates they can generate them. So they are in the process of integrating GPT. They are in the process of integrating GPT-3, which will help them generate specific survey questions for those specific niches or topics, right? 
So this is where I see opportunities where you kind of integrate either into your existing product or you try to take advantage of network effects or platform effects by building plugins which integrate into whether it's a consumer platform or whether it's an enterprise platform like SAP success factors, right? So that is where I kind of see the opportunity. Yeah, that, that's super interesting. And I'm curious uh, now that you mentioned Grammarly because um, it's of course huge and hugely successful, super valuable. And what exactly do you have in mind how GPT-3 can help here? In terms of like, like building something like Grammarly? Exactly. How can GPT-3 help do something along these lines or improve the Grammarly product itself? Okay. I, I won't say I mean improve the Grammarly product, but I would like see that, okay, let's say instead of like, okay, me going and let's say typing gpt3app.com. Right. I mean, I just kind of install a plugin, whether it's, let's say it's a Chrome extension. Right. And then, I mean, let's say I'm writing something I'm writing, I'm, I've opened my email client in the browser. Right. So I wrote my subject. Right. So it, it gives me a template. I mean, for like a little bit of the, like an example body that, okay, this is, this is what you can write, which I can go and go ahead and modify. Right. I mean, much of 80% of it is already written for me, for example. Right. Or. I open, like, let's say I'm a WordPress user and I, I open their uh, WordPress. I log into the kind of the writer part where people write their uh, new blog posts, right? And uh, I write the topic or the title of the blog and then it gives me a, like a skeleton, right? Whether it's like the, the headings or the subheadings and all those things, right? And it, it auto generates and then I can just go ahead and fill in those kind of things. Right. So that's where I, uh, I see the opportunities and the benefit to the user. Yeah, so this was also what I first immediately thought of when I heard about GPT-3, that this is exactly what all the affiliate marketers, the niche site builders need, right? Because they have playing a similar game for a long, long time. And what they did is they wrote one article. And then these article spinners exist, right? And these article spinners create, allow you to create hundreds, thousands of similar texts that are not flagged as dupli duplicate content. And then you can use it on your blog farms in order to game the Google algorithm and get higher rankings for your sites, whatever. And I immediately thought that people will use GPT-3 for their affiliate niche sites to just crank out the content and fill it up. And do you think this is all already happening? And is there already a dedicated tool? I think as far as using GPT-3, their API is too restrictive and to, to do this right now. So at a scale, right? I mean, these kind of things need scale, right? So for example, I mean, you, you can't uh, right now they won't approve an application for you, I mean, which will generate, uh, which will use more than like a couple of hundred tokens in a single request, right? And they, and then even on top of that, they restrict that, okay, you have to restrict your users using that feature, like let's say four times in an hour or something like that, right? So, so at a scale, I think this, probably this is one of the reasons they have been too restrictive because I see, I mean, after you mentioned those affiliates and all those things, I, I can see that how this can be misused, right? I mean, this can become 
the whole that whole content uh, generating thing i mean that can go on steroids using something like gpt3 so maybe that is one of the things which they want to discourage right and and ultimately i see that like when let's say somebody else like who open source uh, something like this right and and it's kind of managed and it's run by people who don't have to worry about like okay their media image and other stuff like that right i mean and how that will be how that can be a major problem right so i can i can see that coming but not from gpt i don't i don't see that okay that's happening it is yeah that that makes perfect sense and if i remember correctly when gpt 2 came out they were warning against these kind of things happening and didn't want to release it whatever and said it was too dangerous which of course is was also probably a marketing play because now it's open source right but but still you are probably right that this is exactly what's going on in their head they are thinking of these shady use cases and avoid them so you mentioned that the real magic happens when you actually combine APIs when you add your own secret sauce because the framework you described so far i think and which probably will always be the primary use case of gpt3 is that you look at where are people most generating content writing text and in a ideal case in a business contact context and then how can you help these people right this is what most of the successful gpt3 tools are doing right now they help you write headlines job descriptions product descriptions and also what you mentioned yeah. these internal reports and yeah it's i think it's is perfect for these use cases and there are still lots of opportunities just by probably just going to people and asking them what kind of content text are you generating in your in your business in your company and how can i help and yeah i'm curious what slightly more unusual use cases you're seeing for example by merging or combining gpt3 with different apis right so i think one of the things is i find these the ask viable people there what, what they are doing i mean that is that is extremely interesting and that is kind of much more specific use case and i'm after looking at like what i mean their uh, products demo and all those things i'm extremely bullish on like okay their success on what they are doing right and then so so and that is mainly not actually text generation that is more in the case of text summarizing right i mean it's it's summarizing it's 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 taking a huge amount of customer user feedback and then uh, giving you like a two lines answer to a single question that okay what are the most worried about right so text generation is one thing but summarization is also a huge field and there is a lot of different needs for summarization whether it's whether it's in the kind of the legal field whether it's whether it's in the news apps right so for example i mean somebody kind of or even even in the case of the messages you receive right even in the case of the consumers right so for example i mean uh, people having dealing with all these uh, trying to reach inbox zero or something like that right one of the reasons is like okay you don't get time to read all those emails so what if kind of you integrate in there and then you take all those emails and you just give out okay one liner summary for all of those things right now the emails or even combine that right and then you 
you are done with the whole invoice in five to ten minutes, right? So, so that will be a pretty uh, neat use case, I would say. And then I believe recently somebody something on product hunt which was they combined this GPT three API with a calendar scheduling application, and so basically. They, it will figure out like, okay, I mean, what is the best time for the both parties? Okay. And then it will just schedule a meeting for you. So I'm not sure exactly how they are doing. Maybe they just, okay, the application is generating auto kind of response from like based on one liner or something. Okay. Go ahead or whatever. Like, no, this is not a good time or something like that. So, so that was a pretty interesting. Oh yeah. That's, that's, that's super interesting. And You're right, of course. Text generation is just one example of what GP3 can do. The other examples are summarization. And what's also very cool is that it cannot just summarize stuff, but also re or revert it in some way. For example, what I've seen is that people enter a legal text and GP3 translates it into a language that regular people can understand. And one example they have is also a summary for a second creator, right? Where you're basically just um, similar to what Wikipedia has, where you have like English and then simple English and these kind of things. But I'm not quite sure what the business use case here is, but it's cool nevertheless. And the other use case is classification, of course, which, yeah, machine learning is, is always great at, but it's not that specific for GPT-3, I think. And last not but least, you have idea generation, right? Where you can, yeah, just input in order to, to come up with, with your own stuff. And one famous example is this idea generator by Peter Levels that you have seen, right? Where it's coming up with business yeah. ideas. And what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So, I mean, okay. So the idea generation part, I mean, I, I find that kind of hit and miss thing. And, and that's, I want like okay blame it on peter that okay his tool but it's basically i mean he's using gpt3 right and it'll just uh, kind of it needs a human in loop right i mean it's sometimes it just kind of throws out really kind of uh, cookie ideas out there i mean which which is like as as you earlier said out there it's just trying to kind of convince you that okay it's it's doing its job but it just doesn't make sense right so I mean, yeah, I mean, ideas like, okay, I mean, I don't, I don't see that much. I'm not convinced on the ideas part, right? You can generate a lot of ideas. You can say that, okay, I have generated, but the thing is, right, okay, the noise to signal ratio is not very good in there, right? And if you are really doing, I mean, if you're kind of doing something that where, where you want to kind of generate a lot of these ideas and then put it out there, right? So sure, I mean, like for example, uh, you had did you uh, did you make a product ideas prompt or something like that, right? So, which is you are kind of loading from a A table. So this would this would be something like okay, you kind of this makes it more. What do you say as uh, you don't have to kind of write it yourself, and it will kind of give you it will keep giving new ones, right? So and but are like are they really implementable? Are they really viable, right? So I'm not really kind of. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And the, his solution to the human touch problem is that it's crowd sourced, right? He lets people vote on ideas that are generated by GPT-3. 
but I personally find the results quite strange. So, for example, uh, I just have the I just have one of the emails right in front of me, and it's ranked depending on the number of votes. And the number one idea is a platform site for scientists to share and discover data. So this is super generic, right? So what are you going to do with that? And it has 21 upwards. The second one is a bit like couch surfing, but for food. And I guess, I, I guess people upvoted it because it's funny. And the third one is a financial planning platform for millennials and Gen Z. So yeah, also completely generic. And the, the, the correct term, I think, for these kind of ideas is sitcom. Startup ideas, right? What, what what Paul Graham called sitcom startup ideas, which are these ideas that sound good or are often used in sitcoms in order to mock the startup culture. So almost any almost in almost any sitcom, whether it's Friends, Modern Family, or Brooklyn Nine Nine, at some point some of the one of the characters decides to start a business, and it's always something like this, right? I'm going to create a social network but for young girls, whatever, Some, something, something for, for dogs or something along these lines. So this, these are these sitcom ideas. And I'm also not very convinced of GPT-3 ideas. I think the, the real strength is summarization and text generation. And yeah, in terms of business use cases, I think text generation is the most powerful one. Yeah. I totally agree. So I'm actually a little bit more optimistic about a uh, couple of their new APIs, which uh, they have recently introduced. They're, so they are from their search endpoints. I'm not sure if that is really available in the playground yet or not. So basically, what you can do is you can upload documents, right? So, and then you can kind of narrow its responses based on those. So, and that is that is something because the the uh, the kind of industries the kind of like okay various niches out there i mean it's it, it's a huge number right and some of those like won't be are over representative represented in its kind of corpus of knowledge which it already has some of it is not right and so i think that gives uh, more opportunities kind of for those business specific apps where like okay you upload something and then Maybe let's say, suppose, I mean, you let the users okay, ask questions based on those particular documents or, or, or kind of limit the output, right? I mean, based on those documents, which has been uploaded. So I'm, I haven't fully kind of tried it from like from the, from any kind of programmatically or anything like that, but, and those sounds really interesting to me. Yeah, that's, that's super interesting. I hadn't heard of that before and. So if you if you log into the uh, the playground and if you go to the API section, it will give you a like sometimes it gives a on the top uh, message or a prompt saying that okay there are these uh, new APIs they have just released and you want to try it out. Huh, I'm not getting these messages. I will send you I'll send you a link on that. You have the access, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'll I'll send you a link. Uh, let me send it. Okay, so. Okay, so I'm going to send you a link in the chat. Yeah, perfect. That is amazing. I, I hadn't seen that. And down there is also the answers thing, which I think is what the um, viable company is using, right? It sounds very much like their use case. 
So the answers endpoint is given a question, a set of documents, and in some examples, the API generates an answer to the question based on the information in that set of documents. And for awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna share. I'm gonna share a, a prompt link with you. You can people can share prompt links with each other if they have access. So I'll just check that out. I mean, I think that is exactly what these guys are doing. So okay, right. So check this out. Wrong. I think this is might be what these viable people might be using. Whoa, that is incredible. That's a really, really powerful use case because when I when I played around with GPT-3, as I said, I always had yeah the Im impression that GPT-3 is just faking it, right? It was giving me an answer irregardless of if it really understood in quote unquote what's going on. But now here yeah. you can you can really like, give yeah yeah I mean I mean like like some of the like uh, bullshitter people I mean who you kind of like I mean everybody knows right I mean they will kind of like try to kind of give answer to everything whether they know or something like I mean you you get that feeling but but I kind of discovered this uh, recently I especially started looking into it like okay all these viable people are doing and this sounds really interesting to me and I can see a lot of like different use cases just from this example for example right I mean you uh, I mean like for example right I mean uh, generating practice question answers from a textbook right or like like when you're preparing separate, let's say, exams for a, for a particular kind of a class or something like that, where every student gets different questions and answers, right? So there yeah. are there are pretty interesting use cases just from this example. Oh, you're right. This is an absolutely amazing use case where, as you said, like having multiple choice tests that you generate this way. And so because this is a podcast yeah. and people can't, can't see what I'm seeing, the prompt you sent me is read this customer response, then answer the following questions. And then it's basically on March 22, I bought a copy of your game World War Mice while I enjoyed the beginning, blah, blah, blah. And then there are a bunch of questions. What product was this about? Did the customer have complaints? Was the customer polite? If they were unsatisfied, what can we do to fix this problem? Right. And this is a prompt. Read this customer response then the customer response and then a bunch of questions. And what GPT-3 now does, it generates answers. So the first, the answer to the first question, what product was this about is World War Mice. And this is correct. And did the customer have complaints? And the answer is the customer was unsatisfied with the gameplay and graphics, which is also correct. And then was the customer polite? And then the answer is the customer was very polite and helpful. So this is incredible. That's... That's that's really really cool, and yeah, I, I I need to think about possible use cases for it because it seems so cool and like companies feeding their knowledge base in there and then having some chatbot to answer common questions that customers have and seems like the most obvious use case, right? Uh, or a very obvious use case, and but I'm pretty sure there must be more. There must be much much more and do you have any additional idea along these lines so i mean i'm i'm so i'm i'm still kind of exploring on my own also right so i mean it's as as like we were discussing earlier it's not i mean the kind of things which it can do right i mean it's like they're so like 
it's not kind of black and white, right? I mean, it's uh, it's not a typical API or something like that, right? Where you kind of you know a bit like okay, garbage in, garbage out. I mean, that's what we kind of developers have been kind of dealing yeah. with over life, right? So, so it's it's lot of like it comes to that okay, I mean, how you frame your question, right? So, for example, I mean, this prompt, right? So. This prompt, I mean, you you frame it in a different way, and then you're gonna get a different response, right? So, so I'm still kind of trying to figure out, and uh, that's why my the whole kind of the the final release of my book is a little bit delayed also because that is a couple of those chapters that I really want to get it done and really want to get it done right because that is one of the things which people are kind of really looking towards that and the prompt engineering part where like this is what like how do you design it, right? So and it's still exploration going on. Yeah, that's that's really cool. So, where can people people find you and your book and all the projects you're working on? So I mean, kind of one source of truth about me would be always my website, which is uh, harishkar.com. And in terms of like, okay, which is the forum I'm most active on online, that would be Twitter. Although I am kind of, especially rethinking my approach to Twitter after uh, reading your article on that, <laughs> so uh, I mean, trying to make sure that okay, I have something to show for before kind of I kind of go in there. So yeah, so those those are the two kind of main places. Yeah, and your Twitter handle is Harish Garg, right? Yeah, that's that's. I your try handle. to get the longest Twitter handle, even though I created this account in 2009, I could have created something small. But since like, I thought, okay, I mean, my company handle is like everywhere. So I'm going to keep that everywhere. Yeah, that's incredible. Your account is really from 2009. That's crazy. Mine is from 2020. <laughs> no, I was like, I mean, I really kind of started using this for like, so called business purposes. Yeah. Only from maybe later than you, right? I mean, I started it from I would say September. This is this is an account for current purposes before it's being used. It's you can assume it's created in September 2020, just six months back. I mean, still the ten years before that, that was just to kind of troll like uh, politicians or like celebrities or post kind of shit post or like an outrage and stuff like that right so i mean so i cleaned up my act in around august and september and uh, when i kind of really saw that okay this is something i can really use it for kind of something productive rather than just for consuming so yeah that's that's definitely a smart decision <laughs> at least in my humble opinion so harish thank you so much for for taking the time i really enjoyed our conversation and learned a lot about gpt3 Thank you so much for inviting me. I mean, I've been kind of watching your journey from like from last six months and it's incredible to watch and I really like your takes, right? I mean, I look forward, always look forward to one of your articles because I know it's not going to be just some generic stuff, right? So, I mean, <laughs> for example, like just like that Peter's today's article about that async work, I don't know whether you read it or not, I'm uncontactable. Yeah. So, which is, I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, uh, so like you are, for example, the whole, what was that? That the, the bullshit activity that was about like, okay, people just kind of recycling. Build a business, not an audience. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And then before that, that the whole kind of the free article thing, kind of that 
that gave me a bit of push that okay i mean uh, little bit confidence that okay you you don't have to put everything out for free so it's okay to charge people to yeah, yeah. So i always look forward to uh, new kind of posts thank you yeah that's very kind yeah and i hope and i am very confident that your gpt3 educational material will be a success because i just checked udemy And there are zero courses so far on GPT-3. I just searched for GPT-3 on there and found nothing. So you should you should move fast and get something on there just to just to position yourself. And you, I mean, you can still upgrade it last afterward and and make oh, it longer. Sure, that's that. Yeah, that's that's a good idea. I mean, so maybe the the video course which I am about to upload in few days on Gumroad and maybe I'll kind of take that and kind of repurpose it for you then. You know, so. Yeah, I mean, why not? Right, there is um, zero cost. Yeah, I mean, you can just try it. Yeah, I'm I'm actually concentrating on. I mean, the book is a little bit more generic through the courses, and I might publish more course also, and maybe build a app also. I'm kind of running through. different ideas also i'm exploring different i just don't want to write do another copy.ai or headline.com right so and with the courses i'm kind of having a more hands on approach and where i mean people can kind of use some low code stuff not no code because i'm not really familiar with that low code stuff and then kind of get to building something fast yes this, this is something i I really wanted to talk to you about that. <laughs> We didn't get to it because something you wrote about a lot is how do you actually build an app with GPT-3, right? What's the infrastructure? And I was going to ask you what your approach is because I know there are a bunch of options. For example, I would yeah. probably use Jumpstart, which is a Rails boilerplate, but you can also use like Laravel Spark, I think. And a super interesting option I just came across is Outsetter. Have you heard of it? Uh, no. What is that? Outsetter is basically a no-code SaaS boilerplate. So they handle everything you need to get started with your SaaS tool, and you just have to insert your features, right? Your 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 actual code, and you can pull in no-code stuff, but also actual code and That seems super powerful, and because I mean, something I was always wondering about is why does every founder has to figure out all this authentication and the, the the billing stuff? And of course, there are these boilerplates, but they are still complicated. And they seem to have figured it out. I was just wondering if it would be possible to build a GPT-3 tool very quickly with Outsetter. So, so people have built GPT-3 tools with Bubble. Right. So, are you are you familiar with Bubble? Right. So, so basically, I mean, you you can build anything in there. You can build websites. You can build uh, SaaS products. Right. So, so I know people who have actually multiple people who have actually built GPT three apps with Bubble. Right. And those apps are approved and they are like kind of out in the field. So basically, that means that there is a way to kind of call the APIs. Right. So capture the user's input. all the api based on that prompt right present the output to to the user and also take care of all the requirements programmatically inside bubble which is a no code tool from open ai right content filtration and the user rate limiting and all those things right so i believe if that is possible there 
and based on what you have told me about this outset hours the tools the features you're saying if 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 you can call a api i mean if if like for example if you can find out the from their feature set that okay if you can write like a fetch statement in there in any language right and i'm talking on javascript or ruby or whether it's uh, just plain json calls right i mean so if you can do that then it is very much possible to build gpt3 source in that form so i have seen people doing it in no code like bubble for example and then there are a lot of these like uh, few others also i mean for the the people who know code right so for example i read recently got access to something called dipjoy and this is basically react and next js boilerplate which uses uh, firebase database and authentication as the backend right so i mean for this you would have to do a little bit of coding right and but a lot of things are already done for you and then there is i think we chatted about this on twitter a few weeks back about uh, a company which is basically open source firebase but they are already have everything like you just for a from a table they will create the apis for you and you just have to kind of put it in your uh, front end code or whatever so depending on people's kind of what how they want to do it how much code they want to use it their skill sets right i think it should be it should be doable and uh, this is where i see another opportunity for somebody which will need more time where like okay somebody can just go and say okay 11 different ways to build a gpt3 app right and just okay here you write it from scratch here you use uh, use a, a rails boilerplate here you use a some javascript boilerplate here you use bubble here you use outset uh, and there is a, so much opportunity for even for educational oh yeah i i would love to read or watch that course say so, <laughs> that sounds amazing because i think it would not be useful for me it would be useful in general how to build a, a tool on top of apis that alone is a super yeah. a, a topic i'm super interested in so yeah for example like when that luxury brand thing i kind of i tweeted that so one of the things i had i started okay what would it take to kind of enhance this right so so i was like okay let me see if there are any apis which are provided by these and there are right so for example name.com so they have this beautiful api where you can kind of check the availability from the api simple api calls you can actually register the domain for for yourself or for your user right and so you can be basically become a reseller of domains like that brand uh, the, the company you were saying was kind of doing brand. yeah so you can basically become a brand bucket right and so i i, I played around a little bit with that and that was pretty interesting so now i mean that that can be combined with so many different things including G. so it's pretty cool yeah that's i i hope that you will launch stuff along these lines soon I'm I'm really looking forward to it Harish. That's that's really cool. I really want to uh, after doing this book and the course I what what I want to do is I really want to release a SaaS built using GPT-3 maybe a small one or something like that. I I really want to kind of want a taste of that MRR. <laughs> yeah. So you you definitely should do it and I think the the brand bucket luxury brand whatever domain idea is perfect. it's just an ideal use case you can start you can build in a weekend right it's it's not tough it's super easy maybe i sh- maybe i should do that first maybe that sounds like that because that brand bucket thing i'm going to check that out and see if i can uh, kind of uh, get some ideas from there thanks for uh, mentioning yeah and, and uh, you can even use gpt3 like, okay, for the description yeah yeah and uh, i mean i'm i've been already kind of uh, familiar with gpt3 api i'm 
already playing with the name.com's api of registration and stuff and and uh, i and since i kind of i am more into kind of uh, coding something rather than like uh, using a no code tool like bubble or something so i just maybe i should just kind of combine that with a wallet plate and uh, build something quickly so yeah thanks thanks for that idea <laughs> you're welcome okay i have to i have to run now get some food I hope we will get a copy for you. Yeah, definitely. See ya. Bye-bye. Okay, see you. Bye. Thank you.